Hi, Five Oaks family. We've promised to give you more details on the BLESS campaign, and we're going to be doing that over the seven weeks of the campaign. As you know, first impressions are extremely important. If you've ever gotten off on the wrong foot in a relationship by making a bad first impression, you know how hard it is to change that first impression. And same goes when someone makes a bad first impression on you. It's hard to, it's hard to overcome. Well, one of the first impressions that people get of our church is the parking lot and the outdoor entrance area. Our first impression, it's not so good right now. And we want to change that. I'm standing out here in the parking lot uh, pointing out just one of the areas that doesn't look very good in our parking lot because as regular attenders, we just don't see what other people see when they come for the first time. We just kind of are going through the motions of parking and getting inside and we're looking at people more than anything else. We like to joke that our parking lot is a lot like a Kmart, abandoned Kmart parking lot. And I have to admit, ours isn't quite that bad but it's not that much better. As part of the Best Bless campaign, we wanna completely redo the parking lot and we wanna refresh the outdoor entrance area. It's time and it's been time for a while. So please be in prayer about your role in the campaign. You can help us make a better first impression and bless our neighbors around the church who are looking for God or for a church, for, for a church family and the neighbors around our homes and our workplace neighbors that we invite to come into our church home. We wanna make a better first impression and maybe save a few people's tires and axles and uh, shock absorbers and so on. Please pray and ask God to guide you as you consider how you can contribute to this campaign. Good morning. There we go. There we go. All right. Good morning to all of you here, and good morning to those of you who are watching online as well. I want to start out with a little story. It's a story that uh, I read or I heard in the uh, Lectio 365 uh, devotional. I think it was about a week ago or so, and the person who was writing it that week and was speaking it that week was a person named Phil Togwell. And he tells a story about his middle daughter being born profoundly uh, deaf. And when she was two, she underwent a two-hour operation uh, in order to put in a cochlear implant, the first of several that she would undergo uh, over many years. And they were very excited. They were very excited that their daughter was going to be able to hear. And very quickly, unfortunately... Uh, they were not seeing her here, and she was not speaking at all, and they became very worried. And on one of their appointments, they brought it up with the doctor uh, that they were very concerned. And the doctor said, no, you don't understand. She can hear. We just need to teach her how to listen. I think listening, I, judging from my own life, but also from talking to people, I think listening is, is one of the most wasted blessings on those of us who can hear. We squander our ability to hear by not listening well, by not learning to listen. So today we're going to focus on how to listen to others and how to listen in a caring way. And we're going to do so by looking at one of the stories from the book of Acts. We're going to see somebody who is, is listening and responding with the gospel. 
So before we do that, uh, please join me in prayer uh, as we pray, or as I pray the prayer of illumination. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit working in us and through us. Open our hearts to your spirit as we look to your word. Teach us to listen and to respond as you lead us. Remind us that it is not by our own strength, but by the power of your spirit that you guide us and equip us to do your work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the most powerful ways that we can bless someone's life, I think we all know this, or most of us know this, is to point them toward God. Point them to God, to his love, and point them to his grace. But a lot of the times we hold back, and we hold back for a whole host of reasons. Sometimes we hold back because the timing never seems right, or we don't know what to say, or it feels like we're going to be giving them a canned speech or a sales pitch or something like that. We just don't know. We don't sometimes feel that we have the relational credibility to actually talk about God with them and point them toward God. And because of all this, a lot of times in our lives what we find is that we go years and years in some of our relationships without ever talking about God and pointing those people that we love and care for toward God. This whole series is based on a a very crucial question. And the crucial question is this, can we learn how to share our faith in a way that's natural and relational and more effective so that we can help people who are far from God find their way back to God? That's the question that we're seeking to answer every single week of this series. And the answer, the the first answer is yes, we can. And the way of doing that, the answer to that is found in the word bless. So bless is a five-part missional strategy that we learn from Jesus and we learn from Scripture, and each letter represents a biblical missional practice. This goes back to Jesus, but it also goes way back all the way to Abraham, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. So the first letter is B, uh, bless, uh, bless, which is begin with prayer. And Pastor Jonathan talked about this last week. Uh, If you ever wonder why the timing never feels right, it might be because we're not praying for opportunities, and we're not paying attention to God answering those opportunities for us. Pastor Jonathan also pointed out that beginning with prayer is actually the foundation for every single one of the missional practices. All the other ones that we're going to be talking about in this series, this is the foundation because without the Holy Spirit working in someone's life, without the Holy Spirit illuminating someone's life and bringing the gospel to bear on their hearts, this is not something that we can do on our own. It is something that God calls us to speak, but it's his work in people's heart that makes the difference. So today we're looking at the second letter. We're looking at L, which is listen with care. Listen with care. Most of us can hear, but can we learn to listen? When it comes to sharing our faith, we, um, we worry all the time about what we should say. How am I going to share the gospel? The reality is, what is God wants you to stop? Stop worrying about what you're going to say and instead listen. He wants you maybe to listen more and actually in sharing the gospel to talk less. What if the place to begin is not with finding out what to say, but it's with learning to listen? And what if the place to start is determined not by some kind of predetermined script 
of the gospel of what we need to say or what we believe we need to say. But what if it's based on what we are hearing in conversations with people? Listening with care will determine how you share. It's going to guide how you share. We listen to discover where God is at work in someone's life so that we can join God in what, um, what, God, is, what God is doing. Listening with care helps us apply the truth of the gospel to the realities that someone has in their life. It keeps the gospel real. It keeps us real in our conversations with people. Instead of turning the, the declaration into the gospel, of the gospel into some kind of sales pitch, some kind of predetermined sales pitch where we're trying to get somebody to buy into God, listening with care also opens someone's heart to what we share. When we don't listen with care, no one cares to listen. When we don't listen with care, no one cares to listen. So we need to stop thinking about what we're going to say while we're listening. We need to start learning to listen. Now this is something that is part mindset and part learned skill. If you think, I'm just not a good listener, you can learn. But it requires a certain mindset of going into every conversation with a, a desire to actually hear what someone is saying. Unfortunately, the Bible helps us listen better and to make it a priority in our life because when we don't listen with care, no one cares to listen. So in Acts 8, we have an account of Philip um, and the Ethiopian eunuch. Many of us have heard this story. If it's new to you, it's a great story. You're going you're gonna to enjoy this. Philip is one of the leaders in the early church. And uh, in Acts 8, it recounts a very obvious God appointment in his life. So let's hear it as some of our members read the scripture. 26 through 40, Philip and the Ethiopian. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candic, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. All right. So in this, in this passage, we see a three-part pattern uh, that's repeated in other places in Scripture for uh, basically how to listen with care, how to be involved in God's work in someone else's life, how to be responsive 
to a, to a divine appointment that God brings about in our lives. And the very first part of this pattern is that we need to be willing to be interrupted. We need to be willing to be interrupted. The Holy Spirit interrupts and intrudes into Philip's day by sending an angel to instruct him, to guide him, to tell him exactly what to do. Whatever he thought that day uh, was going to be about, whatever he thought, you know, I got these plans, I got people I got to see, I've got to take care of some of these uh, widows because that was one of the things that he had been called to. You know, whatever it was, it is about to get interrupted. And we don't usually get such direct interventions, do we, like Philip? I mean, it would be great if an angel came. But this, is, this one's very specific. The angel specifically says, go south to the road, the desert road, that go de- goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. We, on the other hand, are more likely to get a nudge from the Holy Spirit rather than a voice that says, go to this place exactly right here. I can't tell you how many nudges I've ignored in my life. Uh, but as I think back, I know I've ignored all kinds of nudges. The, the biggest one that came to my mind as I was thinking about this were all the times, or have been all the times that I'm driving home, driving into the neighborhood. As I drive into the neighborhood, I see one of my neighbors, and we wave to each other, and I go to park in my garage, and that's when the nudge comes. Get out of your car, go talk to your neighbor. But what's on my mind? The next thing I'm going to do, my agenda for that day. And what I wind up doing is closing the garage door, going into the house, and missing that nudge. Why? Because basically I'm not willing to be interrupted at that moment. All I'm thinking is about my agenda and the thing that I want to do. So I came across a short uh, video clip by Simon Sinek uh, a few weeks ago, thought of it for this sermon. It's so good. This one clip is like a very short clip, is like a master class on listening with care by allowing an interruption to our own agenda. Let's watch this clip. So why is it that when somebody has performance problems at work, why is it that our instinct is to say, you're out? We do not practice empathy. What does empathy look like? Here's the lack of empathy. This is normal in our business world. You walk into someone's office, someone walks into our office and says, your numbers have been down for the third quarter in a row. You have to pick up your numbers, otherwise I can't guarantee what the future will look like. How inspired do you think that person is to come to work the next day? Here's what empathy looks like. You walk into someone's office, someone walks into your office and says, your numbers are down for the third quarter in a row. Are you okay? I'm worried about you. What's going on? We all have performance issues. Maybe someone's kid is sick. Maybe they're having problems in their marriage. Maybe one of their parents is dying. We don't know what's going on in their lives. And of course it will affect performance at work. Empathy is being concerned about the human being, not just their output. So in this larger talk that he gave, um, he's not advocating, and I think you can pick that up from what he's saying. He's not advocating for not dealing with performance issues. What he's calling for is dealing with, for, with performance issues with empathy. And one of the bigger parts of this talk that he gave is making the case that this is not only good for that person, but that it's actually good for business. But as a believer in the workplace, This is an opportunity for us, situations like this are an opportunity for us to shine the light of Christ to our workplace neighbors. But notice what he's advocating. 
if you have this kind of interaction with an employee, to do that, you have to be willing to set aside your agenda for maybe more than just a few moments. You have to be willing to ask a question that doesn't get right to the issue that you want to talk about. You have to be willing to set aside your agenda, which is to fix the performance issue, and you have to care about the person, and you have to listen. It's an interruption. And it's oftentimes that interruption, that sense that this is going to interrupt all the things that I've got to get done today that keep us from listening with care in places like our workplaces. So it's going to take a little bit of a sacrifice, maybe sometimes a bigger sacrifice, to be a person who listens with care. We're going to have to sacrifice some of our own agenda, some of our own time, the next thing that we were planning on doing, fixing the performance issue, whatever it is, in order to be responsive, to listen, to shine the light of Christ by listening with care. If we want to bless someone, um, we need to listen, and to listen with care, we need to be willing to be interrupted. Second, notice where God is working. Notice where God is working. So, uh, Philip's situation seems pretty easy, right? What, what does he notice? It says, um, the scripture, the Spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Not just reading Isaiah the prophet, reading the passage in Isaiah 53 that speaks of the suffering servant that is talking about the Messiah coming and taking our sins upon himself. That's what he's actually reading. He notices that the man is reading the Bible, and it just seems so easy, doesn't it? I mean, it's just so easy. I mean, it's like all set up for him. There's no way he can mess it up. And you might be thinking, I've never walked up to someone after I got a nudge. I've never walked up to someone and just find the, found them at their desk, for example, at work, just reading their Bible, seeking God, ready to ask me, you know, Tell me what this means. But do you think that it ever happens, that wherever it is that you work or in some of your other relationships, do you think it ever happens that people are searching for God? And do you think that it ever happens that sometimes they get a Bible out, maybe a Bible that their grandmother gave them or a Bible that they stole from a motel room, whatever it is, you know, that they get out a Bible. Do you think that there's ever a time where they get out a Bible and start reading it? wanting to understand what it means. I think every single one of us can say, yeah, of course, that happens because we've heard stories. And some of you, that is your story. Is There came a point where you were like at a dead end and you got a Bible out and you started reading it and, and it came alive to you or someone helped you to be able to understand it. Okay, so we can say that that happens. It happens in people's lives. What if it's happening and God is nudging you or me to actually be there when it's happening. But we're ignoring the nudge. Let me just say this one thing. I've noticed that people who hear God like Philip heard God that day, or people that are really good at sensing when God is nudging them. I've noticed that um, to be good at hearing God and being responsive to the Spirit's nudges in their life they have had to develop a habit of listening, listening to the Spirit over a long period of time without hearing from the Spirit. 
It's not like they're going to get nudges all the time, but they are, they are listening and they're waiting and they're going into each day listening, expecting God to nudge them or speak to them and move them in a particular direction. And they persevere week after week, month after month, year after year sometimes without hearing a word, without sensing a nudge, but they keep at it. But because they're listening, when they get that nudge, they hear it. They hear that. They hear it, they see it, they feel it, they know. They have developed a habit. Yeah, it's easy for Philip here. And that moment looks really easy, but before that moment is years possibly that were not easy. Are we willing to go through the years of it not being easy, listening for God, looking for those times when God is going to nudge us to listen? You have to hear from God and sense where he is at work in people's lives so that you can join him in what he's doing. And we can develop a better habit of noticing where God is is at work. And one of the best ways is to do exactly what Philip did, which is the third part of this pattern, which is to ask questions and listen. Philip asks a question and then he listens. So here we go. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Here's the question. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. Philip asks, and he listens to what this guy says. Asking questions and listening is really a mindset. It, it, it takes a, a certain kind of mindset to not just move forward and constantly be filling every silence, not move forward and constantly be talking and talking and talking. But it's also a skill set, and it's a skill set that we can actually practice in our lives. It's not easy for most of us. Lois and I were on a walk um, recently, and we were talking about this very thing, about listening better. And both of us were saying it's so hard to even think of what the questions should be. It's, it's not easy. It's a, it's a practice that we have to It's something that we have to actually practice. It's a skill that we have to practice. And so we'll only get better if we go into each day praying for those opportunities, praying for God to nudge us in the direction that he wants us to go, and then seeing really every interaction throughout that day as a divine appointment. We talked about this a few weeks ago in our prayer series. A guy who goes into every day, told a story about a guy who goes into every day, just assuming every interaction is a divine appointment. What a habit, what a great habit that is to have in someone's life, is to just see every interaction that day as a divine appointment and then practice listening and asking questions. It takes practice. Now, while we're talking about listening, I do have a little thing that I want to say to our entire congregation, those of you who are at home as well as those of you who are, who are here, and that is that you're going to be receiving this afternoon a survey from us. It's something that the, Gal- uh, the Barna organization, which is like the Christian equivalent of Gallup, has put together. And they've been doing this for weeks now during COVID. And what happens is you take this, it moves really quick. It's a, it's a survey that will move very, very fast. It won't take you very long to, to complete. And we're not going to do our other survey that we normally do in February. So consider this your, you know, giving us some feedback. Um, because what happens is it goes into a larger database that pastors and churches. I've been looking at this database, not directly looking at the database, but the president of Barna, uh, Kinneman, 
he, uh, he has a podcast where he talks about what people are saying, what people are feeling, what people are going through. But the answers that you give to the survey not only help the larger church, but also our church answers come to us. It's anonymous, but it comes to us, and we're able to get the pulse of how you're doing, how those of you who are at home still are doing. Majority of our congregation is at home, so I'm trying to learn to talk to you more <laughs> during the sermon. Majority of us are still at home. And so we... Um, we want to hear from you, and uh, when you get that survey this afternoon, as quickly as you can so that you don't forget it doesn't get buried in a bunch of other things, please take the survey. It'll take you minutes, and it's going to give us the pulse of how you're doing. This is really important for us as we help lead during this really unprecedented time. Now, there's one more thing I want to share with you, and I'm going to do it uh, from my little workout room uh, in my house, so let's watch this next video. Author Beth Severson tells a story that pulls this all together. It's a story about what happens when we're willing to be interrupted, when we notice where God is at work, and then we ask questions and listen. So one morning at her gym, as she was headed toward the stairmaster, she noticed a woman around her age working out on a machine that was new to Beth. She'd never worked out on it before. So Beth climbed onto the machine next to this woman, and asked the woman to help her select her settings. Well, they talked for a few minutes, and then Beth asked the woman about her personal workout for that morning. The lady's plan sounded so interesting. So Beth asked if she could join her in her workouts, and they agreed to meet going forward every day around 7 a.m. Well, one day, it was almost 8 a.m., they were finishing their workout, and Beth asked her new friend, Hey, Shay, what are you looking forward to in your life? Shay was quiet for a moment, and then she responded with one word. She said, peace. Okay, stop for a moment here. Beth asks a question, a very big question, a really good question. A question that you and I can ask, right? And she gets an incredibly interesting answer that leads to more questions. But in this case, when she asked the question, they were about to leave. But Beth felt that nudge, even maybe heard a whisper, whisper that said, ask her what she means. So she asked her, peace, unpack that for me a bit. Shay went on to tell Beth that five years earlier, as a single mom with three boys, she had started to date a really nice guy. They had been going out for five or six weeks when he began to drop things. Then he backed his car into the closed garage door. Within months, her friend had lost all his motor skills and then his cognitive functions. He lost his job. He lost his house. Shay and her sons talked about it, and they made a decision to take this man in and look after him. They invited him into their home, and for the past five years, Shay had fed and cared for this man every day before she left for work. At the end of the day, she came home, fed him supper, helped him get into bed. Then on a recent checkup, the doctor told Shay that her friend's needs for care and everything that he needed had gone way beyond her abilities. He needed to be admitted into a facility that provided 24-hour care. So she said that for the past month, she had left the gym every morning to have breakfast with her friend before running to work. Each evening, she stopped back by the facility to see him. 
We hardly had time to get to know one another before he became ill, she said. Shay wept as she concluded her story. There on the gym floor, they hugged each other, and Beth asked if she could pray for her. And Shay, Shay said yes. Beth prayed what she believed God's Spirit whispered to her heart. She prayed that Shay might know how pleased the Father was with her decisions and with the sacrifices that she and her boys had made to care for a stranger. How did this happen? Beth was willing to be interrupted. She noticed where God was at work, and she asked a big question and then simply listened. She had been working out, in uh, her words, with a certified hero every day and had no idea. One question opened up Shay's story to Beth, and she was able to pray for her and, her and affirm her by telling her how pleased God must be to see what she's done. There's a good chance no one had ever prayed for her like that and affirmed her like that. Just hearing that story again just reminds me. Uh, I mean, what really struck me just now is how many adventures have I missed because I have ignored God's nudges? I mean, that's an adventure. To have an opportunity to speak into someone's life, to pray for someone in that way, probably in a way that this Shay had never had anyone pray for her like that before. What an amazing, amazing thing. And this is what can happen as we seek to bless by beginning with prayer and then listening with care. This week, as you pray for your top five, and I hope you're doing that, uh, as Jonathan recommended last week and gave all kinds of really specific ways that this could be done and how you can remember it. As you're praying for your top five, ask God to help you to be more willing to be interrupted. Ask him to help you. Ask God to uh, help you notice where he is at work in your top five. And ask God to help you ask questions and listen. It's a simple prayer. Father, help me be more willing to be interrupted. Father, help me notice where you are at work in the lives of my top five. Father, help me to ask good questions and to listen. I think that's a prayer that God really wants to answer in our lives. What if God is arranging an appointment between you and someone far from him so that you can listen, so that you can understand, so that you can learn to care more deeply about that person? I think he is. I think he's doing that in all of our lives. Father, help me be more willing to be interrupted. Well, we're going to begin our response here, and part of your response can be praying that prayer even right now, just starting to pray that prayer. But one of the ways that we respond together every week is by taking, the, taking communion and remembering how God showed his love and his care for us, remembering what it is that we're trying to share with people, that Jesus went to the cross for our sakes so that we could be in a relationship with him and that we can receive this by grace, not by something that we do for ourselves, not something that we try to perform for God. It's not a performance issue. It's about receiving his love and his grace by faith.
And so we take the bread, remembering that his body was broken for us. And we drink the cup, remembering his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. Father, we thank you that you are at work in people's lives and that we get to partner with you. That your plan is to speak through us. Help us to listen to you and then to listen to others and then to boldly share with them your love. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.